Hello, welcome to Healing Out Loud with me, your host, Jackie Shea. This is a place to relate to the darkest days and be inspired by ultimate triumph. Each week, I interview a brave guest who has extensive experience with illness and or wellness, and hopefully we will leave you inspired to warrior on, highly informed about something new, and connected to a tribe of amazing humans. Because the only way out is through, but it helps to have a tribe walking with you. Hi guys, welcome back. Happy new week. I'm so, so excited for this episode and this week and it's very much summer. I don't know what you're up to, but I wanted to share one of my favorite recipes with you for cooling down and having a delicious drink. It is some coconut water, some frozen organic cherries and lime, lots of lime juice and you just blend that together and it's so delicious and clean. Go make it. It tastes so good. This week on Healing Out Loud with Jackie Shea, I got to interview Thomas Cantley, a cancer survivor, a testicular cancer survivor, who made it his life's mission at this point to spread awareness through all of these very creative tactics from filmmaking to pushing a giant testicle across two countries and reaching about 20,000 people that way to making a cancer comic book with some cancer-fighting superheroes. You guys, this episode is so good. Check it out. The weekly challenge is to cook 70% of your meals at home for yourself this week rather than eating out. Um, Thomas is just a wealth of knowledge and such a love. So enjoy this episode. Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Uh, Follow me at um, JackieShay.com. Join the Healing Out Loud with Jackie Shea Facebook group and follow me at Shay Jackie on Instagram to get some weekly challenge updates and so forth. All right, let's hit this week's episode. Hi, everyone. I'm so, so excited. I have Thomas Cantley, a.k.a. Mr. Ballsy with me calling in from Atlanta, Georgia. He's a cancer comic book creator, cancer survivor, and a men's health expert. Hi, Thomas. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm so excited to talk to you. You are you are so living out loud with your Mr. Ballsy tag and I just love it. I love everything you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. I'm I'm glad to be here and I'm glad you asked me to come on here. Amazing. Um so will you tell us a little bit about your story with um testicular cancer? So yeah, it uh you know, I'm a bit of a veteran now being uh 10 years cancer free, but um back in little throwback to 2009 I was actually a fashion photographer in New York City and um you know in the fashion world and just kind of not really um kind of aware of my health at um 110 percent and you know being in in the fashion industry is very stressful environments and you know there's there's some forms of cancer that are actually led to um being prone to you know stress so um, long story short, uh, I just started, I had some early on signs that were kind of abnormalities. Um, you know, I had a, I had a testicle enlargement that was, you know, not paining me, but, um, it, it had a, a consistency that was a little bit harder than the norm, you know, uh, for those of you who have felt balls out there, um, <laughs> they're, they're not, uh, they're not meant to be like a rock. Um, but because there was no pain, uh, I just didn't, I ignored the signs and, and, you know, having no insurance that didn't help either. So I just kind of said, Oh, Hey, you know, being a man, I just thought I would just let it go. And 
it did not work out for me. So I ended up having to go to the emergency room at Bellevue Hospital because that's where they take all the non-insurance people and immigrants. <laughs> <laughs> and because uh, uh, I'm actually half immigrant, by the way, I'm Canadian. So, um, oh, you know, lucky you, yeah, lucky, so. lucky you. <laughs> yes, I got the double, the double-edged sword. I was born in Canada. My dad's American. My mom's Canadian. So I was, I'm able to, you know, flee the country if anything happens. <laughs> right, like like what like what's already happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad my son is dual, so we just we'll all uh, you know get Ashley to pack up and be like, let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, are you watching The Handmaid's Tale? I mean, my God. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you're killing oh, it. So you so you went to Bellevue. Why did what sent you to the emergency room? Was it suddenly painful or? Um, yeah, all of a sudden my testicle actually grew up this grew to the size of a grapefruit. Wow. And it was just, um, overnight and, um, I was, sorry, I lied. Like maybe like a small orange, which is still significantly large. Yeah. Um, and it's just enough for me to, my body is speaking to me and going, Hey dummy, um, we were showing you earlier on signs, which you should have listened to, but now I really need to scream the top of my lungs and tell you, you need to get the doc, you know, the hospital immediately. And through the emergency room, I was diagnosed, and they told me that I had that uh, they did a um, ultrasound on my testicle, and you know, and that they saw that it was not a torsion, which it was originally, um, you know, said that that's where what it was, you know, diagnosed um, because you know, at my age and ten years ago, testicular cancer wasn't hugely common, um, and it wasn't the first thing that doctors were thinking about, which they are more nowadays. Um, but they just thought it was a twisted testicle and something happened and they just had to remove it. But by the time they did the, um, uh, ultrasound on it, they said, Oh, wow, we need to do an autopsy on this and we need to, you know, check it out. And it looks like that it could be testicular cancer. Oh my God. And they told you in the emergency room. They, they, yeah, they said there was a possibility and then that they needed to do a few more tests, uh, to make sure, um, they actually did a chest scan on me. Um, a CT scan to to see what was going on all down there, and then that's when they kind of figured out. They go, "Oh, we got some very active cells here that were infected." And um, you know, after that, once I got my results, I was sent to a uh, urologist, and you know, they diagnosed me. Wow! And you were twenty six at the time. Yeah, I was. I was twenty six, and you know, I remember going to the doctor's office, and they told me that, hey, like you know, I wasn't even thinking that it was going to be actually cancer. I just thought they were going to give my results back, and they said, hey, you have actually stage three testicular cancer, and it's actually spread to your abdominal area, and we're going to have to, once we remove your testicle, um, we're going to have to do a uh, lymphatic dissection to remove all the infected uh, lymph nodes in in that area. Wow. So. What are you thinking at this point? I mean, first of all, how much awareness did you even have around testicular cancer at this point? Were you like 26? How could I possibly get this? Yeah, I mean, you know, other than what you see in the media and you read, you know, other than Lance Armstrong, like all my knowledge was was pretty ignorant. You know, I I thought that riding on a bicycle could get you testicular cancer. I was like, hey, I didn't ride on a bicycle or... (sighs) You know, they said like early on trauma or, you know, other abnormalities or undescended testicles, you know, at a young age, anything that isn't that general. And I'm like, no, you know, my balls are pretty fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, 
just and when you're at that age, you just don't even you can't even comprehend the fact that you have cancer. You're kind of it, it kind of went in one any in one ear and out the other. Truthfully, you know, because once they told me I had cancer, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, what do you, what do you want me to do? Mm. <laughs> the generations are different too now. A lot of the more millennials and stuff like that are just very they're more in tune with it and they react a little bit more. And for me, I just felt like it just, I think I, I felt I was in shock, but I never really showed it. And then my immediate, my immediate um, idea was um, I'm a filmmaker. I'm going to film all this. This is a cool subject. <laughs> right. Just kind of morbid, you know, I'm going, Hey, I'm going to put myself as my own subject matter here and try to create a documentary out of my own, you know, no it's- situation. It's great. I mean, it's kind of what Chris Carr did, too. And she got diagnosed with cancer at like 31 and, and just filmed it. Crazy, sexy cancer. And, you know, it, it blew up and helped a lot of people just like you're doing. So you how long from the time of diagnosis to, to was the process to being cancer free? Uh, I was quite, you know, so 2009, you know, and now we're in 2018. Long time, um, you know, and I was kind of on the cusp of. 2000 I was like in going into 2009 um so because like my going through all the surgeries and all that kind of transitioned um but it was it was quite a process because I ended up having some minor complications um you know like anyone does um it's it's just a very grueling procedure especially like kind of when they you know, not to get too graphic, but when they do the lymphatic dissection, they actually remove all your organs out of your body. Um, they what? put it on. Yeah, they they kind of hollow you out. So I actually have a YouTube video of it to kind of show people in that day, like what the severity of the of the surgery is and the, how why the recovery is so long. Because a lot of young guys you feel that oh, I can get right back and jump into it, but I wanted to kind of show that this is your organs have been set in your body the same way your whole entire life and you know for 26 years for me and you know whether you're even 20 or 18 and you're having the surgery they take them out they don't put them back in any order just put them out they pull them gently because they can't you know it's just i mean the organs are are strong in their own sense but i mean they're obviously delicate but they're not you know gently putting them down or gently picking them up they're they're tossing them around a bit but they know what they're doing yeah, and then they just they just shove them back in. You know, once they do their job, you know, I, it's it's a time lapse video I have on YouTube, but it's just because it's very long. Like you know, it's a seven eight hour surgery, so they do their work, they get rid of all the cancer, and then they put all your organs back in. But it's just over time, uh, the organs have to kind of settle back into place, which causes a lot of discomfort internally, and you may feel good on the outside, but your body it still takes a good five to six months to recover at least of course yeah all of your organs have just been taken out of your body and put back in mm-hmm. <laughs> not to mention yep. that you have your testicle removed right exactly which is uh, must be a long recovery as well i mean i just we had a double mastectomy um you know th- survivor on last week and she it took m- six months f- to recover from that so painful mm-hmm and it does take a while. I mean, now they're getting so much better with recoveries and what they can give you and stuff like that. And, and the younger you are diagnosed, it's actually, it is, it is better because you can just recover a lot faster and your body's much stronger. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it's, it's not a easy trip to the park 
<laughs> right. So when when is it suggested for men to start checking themselves? Uh, immediately, you know. Um, so you can really, just, the stats are that you can kind of get testicular cancer, you know, at any age. There's no age range that's more likely to get it or... You know, they have the statistic of like 15 to 35, but, you know, you see a lot of the cases that I deal with, um, because I deal with a lot of hospitals, I deal with a lot of post and pre um, diagnosis and kind of coaching mentally for a lot of these young guys. But like the average age that I see that isn't a statistic, but it's anywhere between 19 and about early, like around 30. Um, But the high, high, high traffic area where a lot of them are getting diagnosed are between 19 and about 25. But I mean, I've seen I've seen kids as young as um, you know, younger than my son, who's 19 months. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I check my I check my son's balls every day. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, yeah. that's so crazy. Um, so how did yeah. what was the emotional process like, if you don't mind getting into it, of losing a testicle? Was that was that really hard emotional for you? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I was kind of for me. I'm I'm kind of a different breed. Um, in the sense where I just don't, I don't care about, you know, what anyone else thinks or anything. A lot of guys, um, this is a a major topic of discussion that a lot of young guys deal with mentally is very difficult because, um, in the dating world, it can be very difficult. Um, not only the cancer, but either having one ball, um, you know, and you can have some sexual dysfunctions. So it, it weighs heavy on a lot of these young guys. For me, I was fine because I was like, ah, one less thing to deal with down there. You know, some <laughs> guys will get, um, they'll get a prosthetic or if they, you know, and, and I just choose not to get a prosthetic because I was like, like I said, you know, one less thing to deal with. Right. So you didn't really, it, it was kind of like rolled right off of you, the idea of, I mean, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> it did. Yeah, wow. It, it literally, I didn't, it honestly didn't hit me. So when I was diagnosed in 2009, it honestly really didn't hit me until 2000 and 2013, no, 2014. When I, you know, um, it just really hit me where I was like, wow. Because I think because I was getting older and I, I realized where things were, I was using this way, it was my form of therapy and dealing with it because I just started filming everything. I started creating this community online, talking to these people. I just kept myself busy and, and I think I have, I mean, I haven't been fully diagnosed, but I believe I have ADD and I think everyone in our industry probably does as well. But mm-hmm. just, I, I never let my my mind really rest and kind of absorb the fact of that I had cancer. And when I started transitioning my lifestyle from a young 20s to getting into my 30s, when perspective has changed and I'm kind of in this second body and the second life, um, which I call it, is just kind of like, you know, Wayne Dyer talks about, you know, and somebody has these different body experiences in my thirties. I was just kind of like this completely different person. And I was like, wow, I had cancer. And then I started getting horrible anxiety. I wanted to watch Deadpool. I still haven't to date. Mm. Um, it's, it's a really cool movie. Anything that has cancer in it or anyone's in a hospital, I get horrible anxiety. I start sweating. I start having a panic attack. Like it just, it's just, I kind of had a post post effects like trauma later um, versus having it right up front. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me um, because you jumped into action right away. You became, what's, what's interesting to me is that it didn't necessarily have the immediate 
traumatic effect on you where you were so emotional about the whole experience, but you jumped into spreading awareness and making this a part of your life very quickly. So on some level, it was immediately important to you to educate others about this. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. You know, it it was super important and I just kind of wanted to learn and outreach and get other people's stories and learn from it because I'm going, all right, if, you know, if I can put this out there, you know, and, you know, because it was was very new at the time, like in 2009, it was just like, you know, people were just starting to blog. I mean, I was pretty one of the few out there. Um, I look back and now it's just been blowing up. But in my world, in the testicular cancer world, I was I was one of the first. Um, yeah, you've spread themselves out there. You've spread a lot of awareness, and you've appeared on all sorts of shows and morning shows about what you what you've done. And I just want to say quickly, side note: last week, our weekly challenge was about picking up a creative uh, a creative outlet for whatever you're going through, right? And I do, I have looked at the people who have had full recoveries from different diseases, different illnesses. And most of us have had some sort of creative outlet. So I sort of love how much filmmaking carried you through the experience. Um, but another thing you did was you uh, pushed a giant testicle across two countries, correct? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I did. Was that one of the first things you did? That was my first kind of, other than doing the random events here and there and doing speaking engagements and, you know, doing videos online. Um, that was my major, major undertaking. So so tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so what I wanted to do is um, I learned it took, you know, a lot of, we're in a world of immediate gratification and, and just wanting things now and, and learning about them all immediately um, with all the resources that are out there. And for me, we all learn in different ways. And it took me quite a few years to really grab sense of just all different aspects of, you know, learning about health, recovery, um, the process, just everything mentally, physically, the body, eating, um, you know, just going through cancer um, and just hearing other people's experiences. Um, I actually originally wanted to do the documentary um, when I, when I first got diagnosed in 2009 and just doing it and then putting something out there. And then, cause I was like, okay, I just got to get it out there. But I realized over the years, um, you know, coming into my last, my ball push when I actually did it was in 2014 and 2015. Um, or no, sorry, 2013, 2014 is when I did the ball pushes. I, if I put something out there so early, I wouldn't have, you only got one shot. You know, and you only have so much information and so much experience um, that I was not fully educated at that age. You know, being so young, um, I really needed to kind of create a presence and a respect out there in the community. I had to be down on the ground, talking to doctors, talking to survivors, meeting people. And then because I I wanted to release a documentary in 2011 and I was like, no, I just still don't have enough information. I need to really connect with people. So. I talked to a production company in New York and I said, what if, um, actually the guy who created the show, uh, LA Inked and, um, all the ink series, um, I kind of ended up getting in conversation with him as he goes, Thomas, you need an angle. You need an angle. Everyone does a walk. They do a bike. They do a run. He goes, you need to do something crazy out there. And 
you know, we kind of were tossing some ideas back and forth. And I was like, what if I push a tiny testicle <laughs> across the country? You know, because he goes, you need to create aware, you need to create attention to the cause because otherwise, um, you can create all this awareness afterwards. But if you're not creating attention to something, then you just become obsolete or you don't really, you just kind of sit there at a level. And especially like, you know, social media keeps growing more and more and more. But, you need to really rise to the top to get that awareness, um, especially for testicular cancer, because it's just it's just not as common. Um, so, so that's when we came up with the idea. And then I said, all right, I have no money to make this happen or do it. And I was like, how can we get across the country? And I said, well, what if we just went across the country and we really connected with people and said, we don't want your money, but we're willing, we would love for you to take us in, feed us, shelter us, and get us to the next location and really be able to get on the ground level of communicating with people humanely, hearing their stories, hearing our stories, and then just solely relying on getting across the country through the kindness of people. Um, and that, and that's where the concept came to life. Mm, and you had people sign, sign the giant ball. <laughs> yeah. And every encounter we had, um, we had accounts. It was rough. It was around 14,000 encounters across the U S. So, Wow. Um, and then Canada was around, it's around 9,000 or no, no, it's around 7,000. Um, and so if you look at that being on the ground level and we never solicited, we never approached anyone. My whole goal was not to, was just to power it through social media and not to approach anyone with flyers or awareness or educate. I wanted people to have their guards down and retain it more and want to, find out what we're doing that way there's less of a guard and they're more willing to help versus you know you know in new york city when you have those people on the street kind of coming up to you going hey do you have two seconds you have two seconds you know what i mean you automatically push them aside without hearing what they're doing and we wanted to kind of break that barrier so that they're more able to kind of really hear our story and figure out what we're doing right Oh, it's just amazing. Um, and you did. You spread so much awareness doing that. And uh, you're talking earlier about how you picked up a lot of information through speaking to doctors and speaking to patients about different ways, men's health, right? How to treat your body, how to eat the right way, and all of that. So I want to take a quick break for the weekly challenge. Welcome to our weekly challenge segment where we arm you with new tools each week to kick some self-care butt. As you explore all of these new options presented weekly, my hope is that you will come to collect a number of quick ways to take care of yourself inside and out. You will essentially have your very own and very handy self-care toolkit. Some of the challenges may not work for you and some will seem perfectly tailored to you. We are building up your defenses, inspiring your mind, body, and spirit toward total wellness. Keep in mind that the goal is always progress, not perfection. The only rule is that you are never allowed to beat yourself up. Keep me posted on your progress. Stay accountable. It helps. Okay, let's hit this week's challenge. Okay, Thomas, what is the weekly challenge this week and why? So the weekly challenge this week um, is... I had to think about a couple and I was like, okay, what's, what's one that I can do that's a little bit different that I'm very into with lately. And, um, one, one thing I'm very into is, is feeding the soul, feeding the body, healthy foods. You know, we're in a day and age that everything is of, is of convenience. You know, you have food deliveries to you, you have, um, you know, there's apps, there's on the go foods, there's everything, there's restaurants and you can eat out healthy. 
Um, but you know, in America specifically, um, you know, there's an average American eats out quite a bit. I don't know the exact statistic, but it's on, on average, they eat out a lot where they eat processed foods. Um, and I've been guilty of it 100%. Um, but I, I made, I made a shift in my last two years of, of trying to cook as much as possible and eat, um, as healthy as possible as well. Um, so in leading into the, like this week's challenge too, is like sometimes also we're so fast paced and we're so busy. We don't really get an opportunity to really sit down and enjoy food, enjoy our meal, enjoy our company. It's all on the go too. So I think food should be really appreciated in that way too, because it's going into our body. It's one of the only things that has access to our internal organs, you know? So that direct contact into our internal organs, whatever you're putting into your body, that is super important. And you need to be conscious of that. So if you are even eating at a restaurant, you can't guarantee that they have X amount of salt in it or they have X amount of sugar or this or whatever you're ordering. You know, they're putting in there. They have the ingredients, but they're cooking with other things that sometimes we don't even know, even though it is healthy. So my challenge, <laughs> my long rant, is, is for you to think about your week and take a chance of trying to eat and cook healthy, cook your own organic foods, nothing was processed in it, 70%. So, you know, you can, you can choose in your own way. I mean, I, I look at it as even if it's one day, even if it's two days, like if you're a regular eater and you eat out every day during the week, or even if you eat about 70% during the week, just kind of break it down to kind of going, okay, maybe three days this week, I'm going to cook an all natural food, you know, an all natural recipe of whatever, whatever it is. And I'm even saying too, like, it doesn't need to be vegetarian. It can be, it can be meat. You can have your side veg. It can be roots or root vegetables, whatever you want. You can have a big ass, big ass steak, whatever you want, but just, just make it yourself. Um, and yeah. try and do that versus going out. You bring up such a good point too, that it doesn't, I mean, you did just mention eating organic and eating all natural, but even if it's not organic and and a little bit processed, right, if it is, there's still something to cooking it at home where immediately there's just less ingredients, fewer ingredients than there are if you go to a restaurant. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're already conscious of the health. You're already eating healthier. Because, like you said, if it's not like a pure grade, you know, chicken or vegetables aren't organic, you're already eating something from the ground and something that is coming, you know, and if it's a chicken, it's coming from there. You're, none of it is processed yet, you know? Right. So, um, and, and, and it is slightly processed. I'm doing a little bunny ears here, but <laughs> it's less than what you would <laughs> right. if and you were to get it out of a, a frozen dinner or something. Right. And it's less oil. Like if you're going to cook it at mm-hmm. home, you're going to end up using less oil. You're going to end up using less salt. You know, you're going to end up using less like MSG. God knows. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I absolutely love this challenge. And um, I will say that I always feel best. I always have the most energy and feel my most vital when most of my meals are prepared by me at home. Yeah. And nothing feels better when you're just, you have the time because we're so busy. Like I love coming home. Lately we've been, I've been very busy, especially having a, you know, a young toddler running around. It's very hard to kind of set aside that time and be able to have a proper meal. But we really focus on that. Even 
fact of just sitting at a table and having dinner with your family, I find is important, you know, and that's even a challenge too. Like, even if you're like, you don't want to do the cooking challenge, sit a little side challenge is sit down and have a meal three days a week with family, because that has become almost obsolete in society. Mm, I know. I know. We are so, we are too busy. We are way too busy. So tell me, so guys, that's your challenge. Obviously, there will be more written about it in the show notes. Thank you so much for that challenge, Thomas. And I will update everyone on my Instagram as the week goes on. Um, So tell me a little bit about your comic books. Because you are a (laughs) cancer comic book creator, Mr. Ballsy. Yes, this is a almost, I would say even, I'm even more excited than my, my ball push, um, concepts, um, about this because this is just an amazing platform. Um, I actually was wanting to do a comic book or a book. I've been wanting to like even do a a biography, just writing about my experience. And I was like, well, who's who's really going to listen to a book about me? (laughs) And I didn't want to write about myself. I was like, ah, so I kind of came up with doing a comic book and I found this guy online who had a very unique style of drawing. His name's Adam Cosart, ironically. Because <laughs> um, in the community, it's all about cosplayers and it's all about art. So it's, I was like, did you, did you make up this thing? He's like, no, it's real. It's a calling. <laughs> so um, I randomly pitched him. I said, hey, man, I want to do a cancer comic book superhero series and or comic books. I didn't even know superhero series yet, but I was like, hey, I want to do a comic book about cancer survivors and I don't really know what I want to do yet, but um, here's my idea. Are you in? And please, you know, he had a decent, he had a really good following. So he had over like 20,000 followers. And I was like, please, um, I'm sure you're going to ignore this and not even write me back. But if you're interested, please let me know. And um, he immediately wrote me back and said, I'm down. Let's, let's have a chat. And it was love at first sight then. And, you know, we're, we're great buds. Um, he's, a, he's a canine cop by day. Um, his wife is a nurse and he's got kids and new kids. And just really connected. And we've never met in person. <laughs> we've had this online uh, relationship where we've created this comic book. And together um, with his, he's had over 20 years of experience in the comic industry. And I've had, you know, 10 years experience in the cancer community. And together we've molded this cancer fighting superhero comic series. And it's just, I couldn't, I couldn't create something more better without him. Oh, I love it. I love it so much because this is, you know, you're talking about you're talking about all of these radical ways to teach people, you know, and the truth is, is that for me anyway, this is how I learn. I learn when somebody pushes a giant ball across the country, you know, and then I go, oh, wait, I want to talk to that person. I learn by looking at a comic book and like, I get educated through stories, you know, and a lot of a lot of people do. So it's such a brilliant way to educate people in the comic books. Do you do you kind of talk about uh, do you educate about cancer like or is it is it pure story? Um, Because here's the thing what we want to do is we have to appeal to two audiences. You know, we have the cancer community and then we have the comic industry because if we're putting something out there, we want this to be grand. You know, we want this to be huge. And our goal is the comic industry is very, you know, it's, it's our demographic, you know? Um, and because it's not just testicular cancer, we have our characters in the book are, 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 um, are, are real people, you know, who we've shaped these characters around. So Mr. Ballsy being me, the lead, 
one of the main characters, you know, testicular cancer is my story. We have one of the doctors in it who is just like Doctor Who character. He's based on one of my great friends and um, who's, you know, he's um, he's a surgeon for testicular cancer at John Hopkins. Um, his character is based around that. And he kind of guides us. And then we have another character who is one of our main characters and the name is Zandita. And she's a cancer survivor and she's based off a real person. Um, so we try to really have that connection there and we have that balance of story and education. And a lot of it's awareness too, because the situations that we've created in these stories, um, really tell a story, but also educate you about awareness and detection and the importance. And a lot of it is just like kind of connecting these, this art form with this horrible disease, um, but bringing light to it and also inspiring some of these young kids, because we're also working with some hospitals is the goal is to getting them into hospitals and children's hospitals. These kids get an opportunity to really, um, my whole kind of movement is it's all about finding the inner ballsy in you. And it really inspires them to kind of see these characters that look like them or have experienced what they've gone through. And it kind of empowers them in what they're going through currently. Find the inner ballsy in you. That's about the best thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, (laughs) well, it's so inspiring. I mean, that is, you know, for me, I needed to be, when I was very, very sick, I needed to be inspired. I needed somebody to come in and and say something that made me both laugh and go, yeah, like I do have that in me, you know? And the truth is, is that a, a sense of humor, laughter is so healing and, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, people that blog about different illnesses they have or diseases or all of these things or, or people that are spreading awareness, a lot of this stuff is really, really dark and scary. And mm-hmm. it keeps people, it, it's a barrier between, you know, the awareness and, and the public because it's so scary to look at. But when you're doing something that you're doing, it becomes so accessible and easy to digest. And so I, I just think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, absolutely brilliant. And I, where can people find your comic book? So we're just about, um, we're just about done the first book. Um, so I've been pressuring Adam and Adam, I'm going to make you listen to this. And I'm telling you, you need to finish our first book. We're almost there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he has promised me that the book will be done. Um, like we're hoping end of uh, July to early August, the book will be done and then we'll be like pushing it out like crazy. So we're hoping to kind of, we're going to be doing a soft launch um, potentially in October and then just getting it out at as many conventions, um, you know, putting it online media, just getting it out there. We're working with um, the children's hospital of Atlanta here um, and just trying to connect with as many people as possible to get this out. Wow. So what does um, life look like for you today? How you're busy helping a lot of people. Do you work, do you have like cancer prevention protocols? Do you work, keep your stress low? Obviously your diet is really important to you, but is this something that's on your mind and do you try to keep a really healthy body? I try to um, all the time. I and mean, we all have our slips uh, with, you know, with our minds and our body. Um, you know, I love pizza. Um, <laughs> that's one of my guilty, guilty pleasures. Um, and it's just, I, it's just, it's, it's all about balance. Um, and I love beer too, but I, I go on a lot of detox cleanses and I'm currently on a, on a cleanse right now where I'm, 
I'm having no, no alcohol. Um, I don't, we don't do, my wife is celiac, so we don't do any bread or anything. And I'm actually vegan at home. Um, but when I go out, you know, if I'm out having something with friends or at work, then, you know, I'll splurge and have something. But I find it's very important what you're putting into your body. And, um, you know, I try to stay regimented. I try to be very aware of what I'm eating. But like I said, I mean, we all have our ups and downs. And mentally, it's just as much as I find it's even more important, um, you know, um, as I won't say more important. I'd say it's just equally as important as food. But I find I see that's where a lot of people struggle. And that's one of the biggest issues that I find that people go through is, you know, I deal with a lot of young guys who are going through it and women um, when first diagnosed and they get really dark and they go to these places and, you know, as hard as it is um, to say is it, 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 it's, it's a choice, you know, you have a decision to make and every decision can impact you um, internally. You know, when you feel sad and you're feeling sick or upset and you're going through something or you're waiting for your scans to come back or something, you're creating this energy and it's a heaviness and you, you can physically feel it. And, you know, if you just shift that energy and go, all right, the inevitable is the inevitable, you know, you can't control what is going to happen, but you, but at the same time you can, you know, so um, and I catch myself if I'm negative um, and I've done negativity challenges of just trying to any choice I make, um, I try to reverse that negativity and turn it positive. And sometimes it is hard if it is something extremely negative like cancer and it is just so grueling. It's just shifting that mind. And I find shifting that mind has helped me so much. And even as little as getting a job and applying for a job and putting your energy out there. If you're like, Oh, there's so many jobs out there or I'm not going to get this or I'm not going to get that. Then you're not, you know, you're putting that vibrations out into the universe that you're not fully ready to have that or that experience, that job, whatever it is. If you're saying, I'm going to get that job, I'm going to get that. Every time I do that, I get it. Hmm. Yeah. Totally. So is that is that kind of what you would say to somebody who has a new diagnosis of testicular cancer? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing, if you're diagnosed with testicular cancer, any cancer, or any illness, is, is, is take it in. I mean, you have to have that sense and that way of grieving um, and going through it. And, and it's just about connecting to your sources your communities. I mean, the biggest thing about that's amazing about social media and what we have out there with all these platforms is there's a community. And once you put yourself out there and be a little vulnerable, there are, I've had some of the closest friends in my life, people who you think that you've grown up with your whole entire life that you're friends with. And you know, do you think are your friends? Sometimes they may not be, but the community, someone who you can relate to with a similar diagnosis as you, that is where you build these bonds for a lifetime. Mm. That's been true for me, too. That's huge. So you would tell people to really, and I would say the same thing, to really get vulnerable and, and put yourself out there and talk about what's going on with you. And yeah, I- you'll, you'll have that positive feedback. You know, they'll go, hey, I'm going through it, too. This is happening to me right now. And, like, I've talked to some guys. They go, hey, man, like, I've guys from all over the world messaging me. Hey, I'm going in for my lymphatic dissection. Like, is there anything that I could, 
you know, that I can prep for. And I go, yeah, like, this is what you can do. This is what you can do. Like, just, it's all about mental going in. Like, this is, you know, and, and they all, it, it kind of gives them at ease. And the fact that just even having a conversation with someone else there and that they can relate to is, it brings a nice um, energy to them. Like, I can feel it and hear it in their voice when they kind of have a conversation with me. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the whole premise of Healing Out Loud, quite frankly, right? <laughs> that's the title of the show. Like, go be out loud about yeah. it and go talk to people about it. And you absolutely need to connect with people who have been there, done that, and have some solution to share with you. So I'm really glad you're open to, to talking to so many, so many people about, um, about testicular cancer and how to get well. Do you get checkups once a year still? Uh, yeah, I do my I do my yearly checkups. I think every every guy should, you know, get a checkup. And for all you ladies and other guys out there, get your significant other. Make sure they're checking up yearly. It's all it takes is, you know, just being aware and catching it early. Yeah, I went to the Cleveland Clinic this week, actually, the cancer center uh, at the Cleveland Clinic, and they were talking about how one of the things that they're out there trying to do is the community outreach people on the team. They're out there just trying to get people to get checked because a lot of people, and I actually didn't know this, are just just put off getting checked because they're afraid it's going to come back positive, obviously, because they think they need to have insurance. But actually, there are plenty of places that you can get screenings, mammograms, different um, services for free, or, or they can work it out with you. Um, and obviously, you have to learn, educate yourself and learn how to self-evaluate. Um, but that was what they were saying, that people are coming in with stage four, you know, cancer just because they had a feeling something was wrong and didn't want to get checked. But the earlier you go, right, the soon, the the more likely it is that you will have a full recovery. Yeah, there's always, I would say people, there's always a way. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just there's, and, and people, there's always an excuse, but there's not, you know, you don't. Like you said, I mean, if you don't have insurance, like I was that person, you know, and that's what I'm, I'm the biggest, <laughs> I was the biggest hypocrite because everything that I'm saying you shouldn't do um, is what I did. And, and that's why I feel I'm very strong behind my opinion is because I went through it and I don't want anyone else to end up like me because I was saying insurance and I was afraid, you know, I was going, okay, the reason the subconscious behind that, my testicle that was so large and so hard, I didn't want to go because I was afraid of what it was going to be. But you don't realize that it can accumulate and get worse if you don't get it checked up, you know, or, and, and we're so technology and, and the medical systems are, are so advanced now that it's just, you know, their surgeries have completely changed from when I had my surgery versus now, mm. just in that span. So we're advancing all the time and it's just, it's just, and that's why I said it yet again, be ballsy about your health, be ballsy, just find that inner ballsy and get those balls <laughs> and just you know, figuratively speaking, but just go, you know? Yeah, be ballsy you know, about your health. That's going to be quoted all over my page, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all good. Um, so you can find Thomas at Mr. Ballsy on Instagram, right? And at BigBallsyComics.com. I will link to all of that. Um, and Facebook and Twitter at Mr. Ballsy. Well, at Mr. Ballsy on Twitter and on Facebook, people can find you too. <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's confusing. We have all that. Everything's Mr. Ballsy, but except for Big Ballsy Comics. So. Okay, everything's Mr. Ballsy except for Big Ballsy Comics. And Big Ballsy Comics are also on 
Instagram, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, we're on Twitter too, but we're not, we're still, we're still small. So we're, uh, we're trying to grow. Amazing. <laughs> Twitter, Twitter confuses me so much. Oh, I'm going to follow Big Ballsy Comics. I wasn't following Big Ballsy Comics because you have female, you know, you have breast cancer um, uh, heroines too, right? Breast yes, cancer. Yes, we have, um, yeah, so we're, we're, we're kind of showcasing that character right now. Her name is Andita. So we're uh, pushing her out right now. Hell yeah. Thomas, thank you so much. I'm so excited about this. It was so awesome to talk to you. So inspiring. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Healing Out Loud. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Find me at Jackie on Instagram, my favorite social media platform, and follow me at JackieShay.com if you want to stay in touch. You can also write to me through JackieShay.com if you're interested in working with me as your trusted wellness companion. I'm always happy to hear from you with any questions, comments, or concerns. You can also join the Healing Out Loud with Jackie Shea Facebook group. Have an amazing week, you kick-ass humans. I hope you're able to implement what you learned this week, and I can't wait to share more. Bye.